Kind of wore the same shirt, I just know. I know. Yeah, why not the stripes? Soccer ain't paying the bills. <laughs> 7000 to the common man is a ton of money, right, for dinner? Even if I like the otters, the battle otters. <laughs> the battle cougars. I'm a Vince McMahon guy. <laughs> not good. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We welcome in our good friend, David Nixon, who is ready to unleash or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Are you ready Listen, to unleash something? We're a couple days past the, uh, I mean, the wounds have started to close a little bit. Unfortunately, oh, that's good for you. Unfortunately, they're going to be open back up today with AFR, uh, <laughs> but then the healing process will officially begin and... Listen, the, t- the team has – you saw the press conference yesterday. The, the team knows they have to move on. I mean, this is one of those things where it stings, and it should hopefully continue to sting, but you've got to start mentally preparing for Boise State because you have a ranked team coming in your house this weekend, right? Uh, here's one more opportunity for you to go and, and try to make a statement. So as painful as it was, you watch the film, and you correct those mistakes, um, and you keep them fresh in your mind that, hey, I can't allow this to happen or that to happen. Uh, fix them and, and hopefully move on this week. Is the season salvageable for BYU? I tell you what, a lot of damage has been done. When you lose those two games in a row to Toledo and USF, a lot of damage has been done. I think, listen, I think BYU going into every season, uh, the benchmarks are to obviously beat P5s, beat ranked teams, and get to a bowl game. I mean, in independence, that is what you're look, that's, that's what you're trying, you know, trying to achieve. Um, they beat two Power 5 teams. Uh, next on the slate, you've got a ranked Boise State team. So you have to win this. You have to win this week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Have to win. I, to, to salvage the season. Salvage. I think to salvage the season. Okay, to salvage, to salvage gotcha. the season. I thought you just went straight up. I was like, what? No, I mean, listen, BYU has to get to a bowl game in order to, for this to be any remote uh, measure of a successful season. So, yes, they have to win one of the three against the uh, Mount West team. So um, I, this is one of those opportunities. But I think in order for this to salvage the season, you have to beat a ranked team. Um, which, you know, BYU hasn't – was USC ranked when they came in here? Yes. I guess yes. they were 24th yes. or so. Yeah. Yes, yeah. this so will be a second-ranked second, home win. Second-ranked. And San Diego State is still playing well this season. They might be at the end of the season. They may be ranked, depending on how they do in Mountain Conference play. But um, one more opportunity. So, yes, I think this is a must-win. If you're talking about salvaging the season, I think this is a must-win game. Well, if BYU wants to finish with a winning home record, it's also a must-win because right now they're 1-2 and two in Provo. <sighs> My issue is that so many of these benchmarks are minimal stuff. It's not actually good. It's just minimally good. And that's the frustrating part. If this was a season by itself, we could justify and talk about, eh, that's all right. This isn't. This is systemic. We always had issues post-Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. 13 and 9. Um, 13 and 19. 19. 13 and 19. Eh, it just BYU stinks the last couple of years. Yet, opportunity, if BYU wins, uh, I think it Change the narrative quite a bit quickly. Yeah, I think you start to put some of that uh, aloe on, on, the, on the stings, right? Mm. Uh, and it starts to make it a little better. Uh, but that sting will always be there. The damage, like I said, the damage has been done. It's, it's one of those things where you look back on this season, similar to when you look back on the 17 season and look at the UMass loss, ECU loss, those are bad losses. And, and you're going to look back on this, on this 19 season and say the same thing. We lost to two bad teams we should have beat. I, th- I agree on South Florida. I don't on Toledo, though. I think Toledo's, uh, that's, that's a game that's tough, and because it comes off those four power fives, it feels worse, right? Yeah, and listen, I think... If Toledo wins the MAC, are we going to feel bad about that loss? Yeah, I think the sting on that one, too, is, is the bye week. You had a bye week going into it. I mean, the schedule set up... Oh, for USF. For USF, excuse me. Yeah. yeah, for USF, the sting with, with this game is you, you had the bye week going into it, 
and you weren't be able to put you, you couldn't put together a game plan. As far as Toledo goes, um, listen, they just they just got rolled by Bowling Green State. I mean, One and four Bowling Green now two I, and four. I don't know how good this Toledo <laughs> team is, and we'll see how that plays out. And uh, you're right, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah it, it, uh, it's not in the same ilk to me as UMass and VCU, but it's a game BYU should win. Here's here's my thing, and that's the key. You're up double for, digits for me, BYU. They should win the games they should win, and I'm fine with dropping some games to the Washingtons of the worlds, even Utah, as much as I hate to admit it, um, or even even the USC's of the world. We fortunately we picked those up, so I'm fine with losing some of the games you probably should lose, but I can't stand losing the games you should win. And th- these last two games are games BYU should have won. BYU was but, favored to beat Toledo and favored yes. to beat USF. Well, BYU won both its games when it was a dog, so being a dog is probably better, right? <laughs> I now now I want to ask this question. We are continuing to maintain program standards despite what the program is telling us what it is. At any point, should we drop that? I, I, for one, and I think you guys agree, refuse to drop said standards. Although, we've dropped from the win 10 games get ranked standard to eight would be nice. And here we are sitting on a couple of seasons where eight doesn't look like it's going to happen. So do we keep the standards up or do we reassess the business model and look at what Actual earnings should be. I, I don't know. I don't think you reassess it. Listen, BYU is close in both these games. It's not like BYU is getting blown out and they don't belong in the same field as these teams. Um, you know, Washington was a blowout, but besides that, BYU was in all these games. So I don't think you need to hit the pan. Losers button. talk about margins, right? Yeah, but it's, it, it is true, though. I mean, I, I think it's a great way to measure your success, obviously, is how close were the games. If, if one turnover went this way or that or one big play went this way or that, you're in that game. If you're getting blown out, so yeah, I think if you're getting blown out, we need to look at, hey, it's bowl game. Getting to a bowl game is the, the ceiling for this team. Let's just, let's just keep getting to the bowl game. But, and that would be a pathetic point yeah, if no, we get there. And nobody right? wants to get there. Listen, I don't think BYU will get there. I think this team, honestly, when you, when you look at it, they, they have the talent there, but the execution is lacking. I mean, when you so, look at so the what's, film. So what, what, what's that on? I think, coaching? I think, I, it's both. Okay. Honestly, it's both. It's coaching because you, you've got to understand your personnel. You've got a lot of young guys playing right now. You look at that defense. You get, at some point, you have three, four freshman linebackers playing. Yeah, unless you're an insider, most fans are saying, who's that? Yeah, 100%. And who's that? And, and so you've got young guys playing, and so that's coaching, get them coached up. But it's also players putting your head in the, in, the, in the film and in the playbook and knowing what your assignment is and playing fast. When I look at this USF game, it was not only offensively, but defensively missed assignments left and right. The offensive line played terrible. The defensive line and linebackers, terrible. The still played, had a chance to win the game amazingly. The O-line played terrible? Oh, if you look, if well, they had a season high in rushing yards, which is interesting, right? Interesting, but you also look at thirteen tackles for loss, seven allowed. sacks. Oh, six from that sacks. regard, Sorry, six, six sacks. sacks. I feel you. I mean that. Yeah. That, 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 how do you? How do you the front? I, I, there's no excuse for that. And so when you <laughs> when you watch the film, you have to go back and you just have to sit back and 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 as a as a player, you have to take it personal. You look at. You look at your assignments, you look at that you weren't executing properly and that you were out of place, you weren't tackling, bad angles, I mean, offensive line, miscommunications. I mean, the, the, things, the thing is, all these can be fixed, um, but they also need the help of the coaching staff to put them in position to succeed and to win. And so it falls on both, the offensive, staff, the offensive defensive staff, the coaching staff, as well as the players, because it's – and the loss like this, it's a team effort in the loss. Sure. And so uh, everyone's got to look at themselves in the mirror and say, what can we do better? And I'll tell you what, this team – who, who knows what they're going to show? I, mean, I think that's a bummer about this, this season's team, and frankly, some of Klein's teams. You're not sure what team's going to show up on Saturday. They're capable of beating Boise State. Very capable of beating Boise State. But also capable of losing at USF. That's my point. That's a weird, that's a weird polarizing uh, personality for this group, right? It's no sc- and, that, and I think that's the scary part about it, is, is BYU fans are not sure what to expect come Saturday. 
are we going to get this USC team that beat, or the team to beat USC that comes out fired up, flying around, making hits? And come, are you going to show up and, and see the USF team that literally acted like they had no idea what was going on? So I, that's the scary part. Hopefully, hopefully it's obviously the USC team here at home, and it gets a ranked opponent, and not only ranked opponent, but a now quote unquote rival to the north. I'm a little intimidated by the idea that at two and four on a cold night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in front of what's probably kind of a lower, lesser crowd for BYU, given the weather and what BYU is doing. Hopefully, some fans show up. Right, uh, the diehards will be there against a ranked team that has had BYU's number. This is a tough situation for BYU to kind of rise up and win this game in terms of motivation. If, if they do, I mean, that's quite the performance. I'll tell you what, I think it's easier to rise up and be motivated for this game than if BYU was 4-2. I, I think they realize their whole entire season's on the line at this point. If they want to get to a bowl game, if they want to go to Hawaii and enjoy that nice week of vacation. They want to salvage the season. If they want to salvage the season, they've got to step up. But if some players perhaps cross that threshold already based on the performance last week. Well, if they've crossed that threshold, they got to get out of here. I mean, it, that's where it comes down to the team captains. I know this team's struggling with team captains. Zane Anderson out for the season. Tyson Williams out for the season. Well, they haven't declared – like, it's game by game, right? Yeah, game by game. But, but the team there's leaders. There's, quote, team leaders. There's guys that were running the player run practices during the summertime. There's guys, I promise you, that when, you know, USF runs for 10 plays consecutively, they're over there on the sideline yelling at each other. They didn't even try to pass. They didn't even attempt a pass. <laughs> they didn't attempt one. They uh, completed seven. Make it eight with a pick. So, so I'm telling you, there, there's guys that have got to step up, and, and it's, it's – Typically the seniors, but on this type of team, maybe it's the freshman. Maybe it is a Chaz Ayu that comes to the, comes to the rest of the guys and say we got to step it up. Based on the press conference, he 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 to a degree called out the offense, but as a teammate as well, kind of like yeah, that's frustrating for us and them, and that's it. But I wanted to ask you this too: Did, Were you ever okay with a guy on the other side of the ball calling out your side of the ball? Because no. because it, it feels like Chaz was trying to be a teammate, but he was also saying, "Yeah, we need to score more points." No, but the offense could say, "Yeah, stop the run." Yeah, listen, there were times when, especially with Max, Max was a fiery guy, and he was a team team captain for the offense. I was team captain for the defense, and uh, there were times where you know we get frustrated with each other because either we'd be getting too many points or they wouldn't be able to score. But it was never calling each other out. I mean, this is you're in this together. At, at the end of the day, defensively, you go in the mindset we're going to win this game three to zero. We're going to shut this team out, and so I, I don't care how many. I mean. I'm telling you, in this game, nobody should be calling anybody out uh, besides yourself and maybe your linebacker or your unit. But don't, definitely don't call out the other side of the ball because there's, uh, there's fault to go all around in this one. David Nixon, always a pleasure, my friend. We look forward to another outstanding edition <laughs> of After Further View. Well, we're going we're to get it out of the way, guys. Uh-huh. Just, just watch. Uh-huh. We'll explain what went wrong. Some, some things went right, kind of. Uh, and then we'll put in the pass and move on to this next game. Just do me a favor. Answer which is easier, uh, scoring more in the red zone or stopping the run. Just handle that on AFR. Stop the run. <laughs> As a Very defensive easy. guy. Very yeah. easy. Yeah. Thanks, David. Yep. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. BYU Sports Nation All Access. Here's Trajan Peeler. Trajan, what a busy time of life for you. Pretty busy. Football. (laughs) You've got a new baby at home, wife to take care of, and you're managing school as well. What has this semester been like for you? Man, it's uh, it's definitely been one of the most busiest I've had thus far. I mean, 
never a dull moment, never really a pause because, I mean, we're traveling all the time. You go home, you want to be with baby, and I want to be with my wife. And same time, you got to squeeze in homework somewhere and sometimes sleep and eat. You know, you could add those two in sometimes. But uh, it's been fun. I think it's the most blessed semester I've had thus far. So, How has it changed your perspective on life as an athlete? <sighs> That's a good question. For me, I mean... Football, there's a lot bigger things than football, and I think family's one of them, and that's something we try to teach here at BYU to the team is, you know, you're playing for not only yourselves, but you're playing for your family. And for me, that's kind of been exclamated a little bit more with having my own son and uh, wife. And um, for me, I've just been able to try to motivate myself and try to push myself to be even better. Well, the family card is interesting for you, too, because you have a brother and a brother-in-law on the team. (laughs) So how has that dynamic shaped the way that you approach this game? I think it just uh, even more like just what I said. Um, it just makes you want to play harder. You want to play for people that literally are just like you say, oh, you know, they're my brothers on the team, you know, came to BYU together. But these are people that I've been with since the day I was born and they were born. So it just adds an extra, you know, an extra motivation, extra level of uh, competition that you want to push yourself to. No bones about it. This has been a challenging last few weeks for you and for the team Two wins, four losses, coming off uh, a game where you feel like you should have won that game and, and beaten that team. So where do the emotions go, and, and how do you get things righted? How, how do you turn the ship around? You know, I, th- I think it's one, you know, you hear people talk about it all the time, you know, hey, you know, why'd y'all lose? What happened? What went wrong? Uh, you could think about, though, you have two choices, really. You could think about those things and dwell on what everyone's saying, or you can look yourself in the mirror and be like, all right, how can I get better as a player, as a teammate, and as a team as a whole, we look ourselves in the mirror and see what can we do better to win this game. You know, forget everything that's happened in the past. It is what it is, not how we want it, but what we can control is what happens in the future. So for us as a team, that's what we're doing. How do you block negativity out that sometimes tends to creep in with so much social media and and whatnot? I think uh, one of the cool things about this team is we have goals set as a team, and not everyone knows those goals. Some think they know, uh, and they try to clamor in and say, oh, y'all won't achieve them or stuff like that. And as a team, I think if we just keep ourselves focused on what we want as a team, what we want to achieve, then I think we'll be all right. You know, We won't have to listen to what others say um, that maybe be contrary to what we want to do, how we want to finish the season. So as long as we keep that in mind, I think we'll be all right. On your side of the ball, BYU, and it's no secret, Trying to stop the run. Yeah. How will things change this week so that you can stop the run against Boise State? That that's the focus. I mean, that's everything that we're doing right now as a, as a defense is we got to stop the run. There, there's no question about it. Um, you know, that's everything we do. All the drills, team is we're focused on stopping the run. That's been a weakness of ours in the this season, and we want to make it a strength by the end of the season. Typically, adversity creates change, or at least change in scheme and yeah. kind of some focus. How has that? impacted you and your coaches specifically this week i think it kind of goes with the run stopping you know we, that's what we want to do and so we're going to scheme whatever works best to do just that whether you know we switch up the defense completely or we keep what we're doing and just maybe tweak a couple things here and there um no matter what we're going to scheme to stop the run and that's what we're going to do most importantly what do you know about boise state football at this point of the week uh, I mean, I think it's kind of the same thing they've been for years, just consistent. You know, you look at all their team, offense, defense, and special teams, just very consistent team. Year in, year out, they come out to play hard, and they play hard for the for each other and for the coaches. And, you know, that's always a good team in, in any case, whether or not they have the athletic players or not. If they, if they have those type of guys on the team, they'll be good, and that's what we see thus far. I don't know what their quarterback situation is. I don't really care, but uh, for us, you know, we know we play a good team, but we feel we're a good team too, you know, and we just haven't been able to show it, and we're excited for Saturday. 
third consecutive ranked opponent to come to Provo. So yeah. you've been down this road before. <laughs> you know what's on the line. Yeah. How much does that linger in the back of your mind, knowing that this is an opportunity to make a statement to the nation after two very disappointing losses? Yeah. I think for us as a team, you know, we've, we've been in those big games, first-ranked opponents home and away. Uh, we know how to build, how to win, uh, whether who, no matter who we're playing. So I think for us, if we just focus on that, the small little details, don't try to get caught up in all the, the big lights, the, the TV and all that stuff. I think we just focus on what we need to do as a player and as a team, then we'll be okay. Have you noticed a demeanor change from your coaches this week? And if so, how has it been? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, it's it sucks to lose. You know, you don't want to lose to a team, especially USF, in a game that maybe we were supposed to win. And so for them, you know, I think it's just more so we want to push ourselves even more. And the coaches know that. They want to get more out of us. They want to get more out of each other. And so because of that, that's what their demeanor and their attitude towards this week is. What do fans and your typical BYU fan not see that's going on within this team that makes you feel like you're going to show up with the right attitude and the right execution level on Saturday night? You know, I think a lot of times, you know, you look at the record and you think, oh, most teams will fall apart, you know, try to start to split up. You have your different cliques in the locker room. For us as a team, that's not the case. Uh, we're, we're still a team inside that locker room. We're still a family, and we're going to support each other through the thick and thin uh, no matter what happens, but we know what we want to happen. And so as a, as a team and as a family, we're going to make a goal to get that for each other. You specifically have been through this type of adversity before, in seasons yeah. before. So how has it helped you this year? Uh, you know, I don't want to say, oh, we've been there before because it sounds kind of bad. But, I mean, we know what we don't want and we, want to know, and we know how to get where we want to be. And so for the rest of the season, that's our goal is to, to finish the right way, uh, go undefeated and win as many games as we can. How much game planning do you do with your wife? <laughs> you know, I try to keep football at the at the facility. So at home, when I when I'm with my wife, it's just me and her. You know, spend time not talking football. I try to keep it to a minimum. You probably have to ask her how much I say. So uh, I try to keep it to a minimum, though. We'll put it at that. <laughs> okay, so we'll uh, we'll figure out what minimum means. But hey, Trajan, it's great to talk to hey, you. Let's it. give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the big game against hey, Boise State. It. I appreciate it. Thank you. Trajan Peely, one-on-one BYU Sports Nation all-access class act and a guy that uh, you want in your arsenal when you're trying to ride the ship. Yeah, and he's one of those guys that's certainly going to help out in terms of kind of stabilizing that rush defense. He's one of the guys that uh, will be prime candidate to, to do that. In the midst of turmoil, yes, we all need a pick-me-up. If this segment were food, it would be a Snickers bar. So why wait? Here are the top 10 plays at the midway point of the BYU football season brought to you by Tim Daly Nissan. Snap the place are good. Oldroyd. Let's see. Got it. So our feature back. Look again. Hall. End zone touchdown, BYU. Jaron Hall. Not one but two fakes. Green wasn't able to secure it. Matchup top of the three. Third and ten. Wilson going to take a shot. And that is hauled in. Hefo again. Oh, what a move from Hefo. To the end zone. Touchdown. Keaton Slovis shotgun, looks and fires quickly to his right, picked off, diving interception made, just shy of the 30-yard line. 
streak. Short drop for Jaron. Goes for the end zone, looking for Mill. Dax Mill, did he haunt him with one arm? He did for touchdown! Dax Mill with a great grab! Order Messi, all press. Play fake. Wilson setting up, takes a shot downfield, and oh, what a catch! Touchdown, Dax Mill! Out of an empty set here, it's a design quarterback run for Wilson, straight ahead, first down, and touchdown! Pushing toward the end zone, and no signal yet. Now there it is, touchdown, BYU wins, and an absolutely horrific, gut-wrenching loss for the Tennessee Vols, who had it with about 30 seconds left in regulation, but couldn't hang on. Slovis going to throw, zips it, passes tip. If it's picked off, the game is over. It is intercepted. Gawolik, who got it for the Cougars. Third down and six. Snap the ball. Wilson. Oh my goodness, receiver wide open, caught in Tennessee territory, Simon, inside the 30, clock is running down, he's tackled at the 16, with 7 seconds left, the clock will stop to reset the chains, and then BYU will have to get up there and spike the ball, but how did the receiver Simon get that open? Believe it or not... (laughs) There were some really, really happy, happy hey, times. This I feel better. I know, right? I've been L- just seeing those. Yes. Yes, it brings a smile to my face. <laughs> you know, my countenance is brighter. Like, I do feel better. That is yes. exactly what I needed. <laughs> there have been some remarkable plays. And how about Dax Milne, a former walk-on with two of the top ten plays, just outstanding catches and plays by uh, by Dax Milne. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. Great stuff. And I do feel better. Yes. Thank you so much. Whose ever idea that was to put that together, thank you so much. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Now joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the voice of the Boise State Broncos, Bob Beeler, returning to BYU Sports Nation. Bob, great to have you back. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the game tomorrow. Well, it's an interesting one in that there are some injuries with quarterbacks on both sides. (laughs) Uh, BYU figuring out if Jaron Hall can pass concussion protocol. Perhaps Baylor Romney, the third string, is the starter with Zach Wilson out with a thumb injury. So that's great. On the Boise State side, uh, Hank Bachmeyer suffered a hip injury. What's the latest with Bachmeyer's status going into tomorrow night? 
Well, there really isn't any latest because they don't really discuss injuries, nor do you get a chance to look at practice. So uh, I think you could probably flip a coin as to whether you know Hank's going to play or whether it'll be Chase. I-, I think you'll probably see multiple quarterbacks. We've seen Chase play a little bit in every game, so I think I feel pretty good in saying you're probably going to see him at, at some point, if not at the start. So uh, Boise State, uh, I think, blessed that they have a couple of really good quarterbacks on their team. And, uh, you know, I, I, what I've seen of Chase Court, I've been pretty impressed with. So, you know, it, it would be disappointing if Hank can't play, but I don't think it's the end of the world. What is the difference in the offense, or is there none, Bob, if, if, if Hank can't go and Chase has to carry the whole thing? Does the offense change that much, or do they just run the same stuff, and is Chase perfectly capable of running this thing? Yeah, I think Chase is capable. I don't think, you know, I think they tweak things. I think that like in any situation, you're going to play to the strengths of whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Bachmeyer, whether it's Cord, or whether it's Henderson. I think you're going to play, you know, call plays that they that they feel comfortable that they've repped. But no, I don't think if, if you're just watching the game, sitting in, um, you know, Chicago, Illinois, watching the game late at night, yeah, I don't think you're going to think that there's a whole lot of difference to, to Boise State. I mean, it's not like you're going from Hammond, the quarterback at Air Force, to uh, Cole McDonald, the quarterback at Hawaii, <laughs> and, and the, the types of offenses those two teams run. No, you know, I, I'm I'm sure it's similar to BYU. I'm sure that you know, I, I looked at at the game last week against South Florida, and it looks to me like Hall is a lot more comfortable running with the ball than Romney was, at least when he was in there. So, I mean, to me, there are differences, you know, and I think there are differences when running backs are in. I mean, Katoa and Asupo seem to be a little bit different, too, just like some of our running backs are different. So I, I think that, you know, in this in this late in the season with what you've done, you are who you are, and I, I wouldn't think there'd be a whole lot of, you know, it's not like they're going to come out and run the option if one quarterback's in the game. That would be quite the surprise. Uh, Bob, Boise State, number 14, 6-0. Surprise, surprise, Boise State undefeated. Ranked in the top 20. It just, it just is what it is. But what's the difference with this group versus the last couple of years, in your opinion? I think this year the defense might be a little bit better, a little bit stronger than what they've had. And, and I think they've been, you know, I mean, they basically had to win the Marshall game. It was a low-scoring game, 14-7, to um, you know. Getting a, a win against a Power Five. I mean, last year they lost to Oklahoma State. I think it was in Week Three. This year they beat Florida State in Week One. So I would probably say, you know, those two things. I mean, been good. And, and you guys know. I mean, I could make a case that you guys could be zero and six this year. I could also make a case that you guys could be about five and one as well. So I mean, a lot of times there's not a lot of margin for error you know, in these games, and certainly with what we've seen in the Boise State-BYU games over the past few years, I mean, how many of them come down to the last play? Yeah, and, and, and you're right. The difference between a magical season and not is mm-hmm. just a few plays through the course of the season. Sure. But they're in a great position right now. And uh, do you feel like this Boise State's, uh, uh, you know, that, that their group of five spot in a New Year's Six Bowl is theirs to lose or win here? Are they in the position where if they do what they need to do, they're, they're the team that's going to be representing in the New Year's Six? But my answer is yes, and then I will explain it. First of all, you have to win your conference. So if you don't win your conference, it doesn't matter. There's going to be five teams under consideration, and that is it. So if, like last year, Boise State wins a regular season but then loses the playoff game to Fresno, they could be one. They could be 12 and 0 in the season, lose the one, and if you don't win the league, you're not even you're not even in the beauty contest to be decided. Boise State is ahead with what they have left. 
if they are to run the table, and that is a huge if because two very difficult trips to Utah, this one this week, and then the next to the last week of the season, we got to go to Logan. Um, but if they run the table, I don't see anybody else, even if they run the table, having enough to beat Boise State. That's my opinion. Um, but if you lose a game, like if we were to lose this game tomorrow and say win everything else and go something and one, then all of a sudden you're in it. You know, I think if somebody else goes undefeated, they might get it. But if everybody has one loss, then I think, you know, now you're trying to decide whose loss looks the best or the worst, depending on how you want to look at that. How do you uh, feel about this series since these two re-upped through uh, 2034? They'll take a hiatus in 2024, but uh, BYU and Boise State continue for a long time. I like it. I mean, one of the things, it's a close game, meaning close in distance. So Boise State fans can get down there. BYU fans can get up here. Um, I, I think you have a lot of you know regional interest in the game. I personally would love to see this game earlier in the season, uh, you know maybe like say a week two on a regular basis. I think it might have more juice a little bit because once we get into conference, it's a little different feel than if it is you know up early in the season. But no matter whether it's played week one or week twelve, uh, I, I think it's a great game. The games have been close. I mean, I'm trying to think of the teams that Boise State plays in the conference. And I don't know that I can come up with more opponents that Boise State has had memorable finishes both for and against than against BYU over the last, you know, eight, nine years. So um, I think it's a good rivalry. I think people enjoy it. And, you know, in this day and age, you know, you're trying to get people out, trying to get them to come to the stadium. You've got to offer games. You know, if you want to sell tickets, you've got to offer games that the public cares about. And I think the public does care about this one. Absolutely. ESPN2 tomorrow night. Bob, we appreciate the insight and the time. Thanks, man. Be looking good. Looking forward to it. Okay, Bob Mueller on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. Our next guest is the new home sideline reporter. You, you've seen her. You love her from women's soccer. She's the analyst. Now she's going to help us out with football on the sideline. Carla Swenson Haslam. Carla, great to have you in Studio B. How I'm you doing? so glad to be here. It's crazy. I was at BYU for four years playing as a college athlete. Never got the opportunity to be here until after I graduated. Oh, that's too bad. We didn't invite you as a <laughs> no, player. Not to make no, you feel no. guilty or anything. Right. Well, the she's, producer, yeah. Not she's that I'm bitter much, or anything. She's a much bigger deal now. She's a and, much bigger deal now. And you haven't left. You've been around. You're you're right. in BYU Law School right now, so you're, right. you're a busy beaver right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just demonstrates I must have liked my time here at BYU because I decided to come back. So women's soccer analysis. You've done a couple of games with me. That's been really fun, or me with you, rather, subbing in for Spencer. <laughs> and this team's great. We'll talk about them in a minute, but... What's your sense of BYU football right now as you make your uh, debut on the sideline tomorrow night? You know what? I, you were talking about it with Blaine, how this would be a big win. This would be one of those historical wins that is talked about for a long time. And so I'm hoping for my first game as a sideline reporter for BYU football that it can be one of those memorable games. My hope is that people will be looking at this film years from now, talking about it with their children and their grandchildren, and that I'll be there somewhere, you know, calling the sideline, doing the, the game-winning interview with whoever scores the game-winning touchdown. That would be ideal, right? That and would ho- be ideal. And hopefully it's not raining. We got the worst weather possible probably for I know. your first game. Did you get one of the new big B- BYU? I did. Okay. I did. The only thing is I'm five feet tall, and so these jackets just, like, yeah, encompass I'm, me. I'm I, a blue BYU TV snowman. I'm not a little. I'm not little. 
that thing is huge, yes. but huge is good because we're going to layer up tomorrow night and everything's, everything's going to be fine. So we're, we're really excited to have you working with us uh, tomorrow night. For those of those that don't know, because you haven't been on the show with us, tell us a little bit about your background, your upbringing. You know, you, you didn't just yeah. grow up here in the United States. So folks know as they're watching you tomorrow night, they know a little bit about you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I to be honest, didn't grow up a BYU fan. In fact, I grew up going to Rice Stadium. Yikes. To watch the Utes play. My father's a U of U graduate. I mean, like, we bled, we bled red. Like, we were all about making fun of the, the, coo- the Zoobies, the Cougs, the Boogers. <laughs> we had all the nicknames for them. I love and, making fun of the Zoobies. Right? And so, and, and so, you know, I never thought that I would end up going to BYU, but I played soccer growing up. And the time started to come where I was looking at playing at the collegiate level. I was starting to play with the U-20 Colombian women's national team. I'm Colombian. So spent some time in my teenage years in Colombia, in Cali, uh, is the city where my family's from. Uh, and as I started approaching the college, college game, you know, BYU women's soccer, always consistently one of the top teams in the country. It was close to home. Uh, I was a member. I'm a member of the church, and so all of these things kind of added up. Thinking, oh my heavens, I may end up going to BYU, and that's exactly what ended up happening. I actually ended up being very close to committing to Boise State. Oh, oh, so timely. So timely that this would be my first game uh, as a sideline reporter against Boise State. But ended up being so thrilled with the offer to come play uh, for BYU. Played under Jennifer Rockwood, and just graduated. I graduated in 2018, and like I said, had a wonderful experience, and now. You can rest in peace because now I bleed blue. Yes. Now, now I am a BYU fan. I have been converted. Yeah, you made me mildly nervous for a second. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute. No, I mean, hey, they're, the Wilson family, Zach Wilson's family. Converts, you know, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They had to come on over. They came over in a big hurry, though. They're, they're just all BYU now. Yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is awesome. And like I said, I came back, so I must have enjoyed yeah. my time here. And I'm obviously calling for the, 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 women's, the BYU women's soccer team. And it's, it's been a strange turn of events, but I've absolutely loved every step of it. What storylines stick out to you going into tomorrow night's game with Boise State? I think you guys had mentioned earlier the QB. I mean, the QB is the glue. It's the playmaker. And the fact that we're going to be looking to someone who we haven't seen that many reps, we haven't seen too often, Romney, most likely. Obviously, tomorrow, that's going to be part of my job is to help you guys, to help the fans kind of get an idea of who's warming up and what they're doing. And so I think that's the biggest storyline is we have a – a new QB coming in and playing against a really talented ranked team. So I think that's the biggest one. I also think the Colt is going to play some sort of role in this game. I mean, I think back to when I was playing, you know, soccer, the cold does affect how you play. And it affects, too, if you're in football when you're taking breaks between plays. Like, how do you keep warm? How do you stay focused when you're freezing cold? And so I do think that's going to that's gonna play an element. And that being said, you know, BYU's opponent is a team that also plays in cold weather. So it's not as advantageous for BYU as I think it would be if they were playing against some Florida teams. But that being said, I think those are going to kind of be the two big headlines that we're going to be looking for on Saturday's match. Very cool. Let's turn the page to soccer a little bit. Women's soccer ranked fifth in the country. Um, They host St. Mary's tonight. They're off to this incredible start. Yes. First, so what makes this team so special? And is this a team capable of winning a national championship this year? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. So I'll answer your first one first. Um, 
The thing that makes BYU, I think, so dangerous is that their defense gets into the attack. You don't see that very often in the college game. You start to see that more at the professional level. But at the college game, you never see your wings, your defensive wings, getting into the attack. I've told Jaron before, and you'll hear it if you listen to the broadcast, like soccer is nothing but a game of, it's a numbers game. It's a game of numbers, and it's a game of space. And everyone kind of has their mark. Everyone knows who they're in charge of. But the minute you bring your defensive wings into the attack, all of that gets disrupted. Suddenly you have defenders having to make two marks. Suddenly that means they're having to leave someone. That leaves Elise Flake and Cameron Tucker open in the center of the field, which if you're playing against BYU, you never want. And so I think that is what is making this team so successful and why they're having so many goals and so many opportunities is they're just bringing far more numbers up than I think their opponents are ready for. They've been really fun to watch. Looking forward to seeing kind of what they can do the rest of the season. Yeah. Could this be the first Final Four team in BYU women's soccer? Hey, I want – let's go all the way. Let's just get national Why not? Why not, Let's right? go get one. I feel, they're capable, right? Oh, of course. It, you know, at, the, at this level, everyone is so talented. Like, all it takes is that little bit extra focus, those little extra details to go all the way. You know, you know what? Let's give you the player treatment. Um, let's have you sign the flag because you've never been here. And now you're, you're part what of us. What an honor. And let's give you I'm in the, uh, I'm in the in club, the it club. Now, now you're in. All so right. go ahead. Can yeah. you reach up by me? I don't think you can. Very funny, Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Last season, James Empey was a freshman All-American, started all 13 games for the Cougars after a redshirt season. Son of Mike. We love Mike. This year, Empey anchors an, uh, an offensive line that's banged up going into a big game with Boise State. And here's my one-on-one conversation in English with the sophomore center. All right, let's talk about uh, this big game with Boise State. So, um, Always, well, do you think it's easier to flush out a bad loss with a compelling opponent like Boise State? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's cool to, to flush out a loss with a good opponent. It's cool to flush out a loss with, with anybody and just to get back to work, uh, regardless of who your opponent is, and, and just being able to get back to work that next week. I think that, I think that does the trick regardless of, of who's coming in town. However, I mean, Boise State, they're a great team, and we're excited to play them, and, and uh, um, we're, we're just... Really excited and, and uh, working hard, getting ready for Saturday. Certainly the quarterback position, the one discussed the most. Jaron Hall trying to pass concussion protocol. Baylor Romney showed well in the two series. Um, how, do you, how do you and the offensive line feel about whomever is back there? Um, I mean, whoever's back there, we're going to try and do our job the best we can, uh, regardless of, of whoever it is. Um, and, I mean, Jaron and Baylor, they, they both um, have been playing great, uh, played great last week, played great um, in, in practice so far and and uh, just whoever's whoever's in we're, we're gonna do do uh, do our job and, and a lot of times honestly like in practice they'll be rotating in and out and and you don't even notice so it's almost like it just doesn't even skip a beat and and everybody's still doing their job so uh, we're, we're super confident in whoever whoever shows up to play on Saturday so there are times in practice after a play where you will have snapped and blocked and then you turn and go oh it's a different guy yep <laughs> yeah, actually, you don't even really notice until you're watching the film because it, that's what I'm saying. I mean, we just we're, you're you're so dialed in on your job that, um, and the team is is close um, and, and tight knit in 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 a way. So like um, when you're when you're that focused, it just 
you don't even notice. You're just focused on, on getting the job done and, and uh, on to the next play. Literally next man up in that situation. Uh, literally. He's just back there. Shuffle him in, everybody, yeah. Um, if I was back there, I, th- I feel like you'd notice. But uh, that's another topic for another day. Um, let's talk about the, uh, what Baylor Romney brings to the table. What are some of the skills that you see in him that perhaps Cougar Nation could see Saturday? Um, I think... I mean, I don't, I don't know a lot about quarterbacks, so I, I can't, I can't break him down for you. But I just, he, he's got a, a cool and calm personality. Um, he's always chill, um, so he, he kind of brings that calm presence. But he'll, he'll get you going, and and uh, you, you feel his, you feel his presence on the field um, uh, all the time. And so uh, it's cool to, it's cool to have him back there. He's a great, great, great friend, uh, as well as a great player. So we're just excited for him. How are he and Gunner different? Um, honestly, they're, they're both kind of the same. They kind of have a, a chill and calm personality, like I was saying. Um, so I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You'd have to hang out with them and, and figure it out. How do you feel about Boise State? Because this one is one of the three stated rivals. Uh, this is a game where they're typically ranked national TV. Last year came down to the wire. Uh, how do you feel about the Broncos? Uh, like, like I said earlier, I, th- I think they're a great team. Um, they're, they're playing well this season. Um, they they have a really really tough defense. Uh, they fly around, they play really hard and, and we're excited to match up with them. Um, you know, it's, it's always fun to play a great opponent, uh, have the top 15 team come to your house. And, and so we're, we're just, uh, excited and getting ready for Saturday. One thing this team hasn't lacked offensively is getting to the red zone. Certainly trying to cash in on touchdowns is, is important there. What is this team focused on this week to be better at that? Um, just focus on finishing drives. I mean, you know, getting down there and, and capitalizing on it. We're just um, focused on, on keeping the focus, you know, and, and being able to just uh, have the will to finish those drives and, and get points on the board. It feels like it's been forever since the USC game, a home game, a ranked team, a big win on national TV. That's the stage we're at here. What does it mean to be back at home for the first time in, I think, three actual weeks and two games? Oh, it's we love playing at home. Lavelle Edwards Stadium is is one of the greatest atmospheres in in college football, and and uh, uh, Cougar fans are amazing, and and we're just so excited to to be back at home and having another game. This team's two and four, but the margins have been tied. A couple of throws into the end zone. How have uh, you and the guys kept the the energy high and good as you have plenty of uh, games left to play this season? I mean, it, it's just taking them one at a time. Uh, taking them one game at a time and being able to bounce back from the last one, uh, whether good or bad. And, and uh, I think uh, just the fact that we got a lot of guys on the team that, that want to compete and want to win and, and that play really hard, um, just just having all those personalities that when, when, we're, when it's uh, another opportunity, we're ready to go and we're excited. So uh, the energy the energy's there and, and we're, we're getting ready for Saturday. Everyone has injuries. It seems like the O-line's a little bit banged up. How's the group holding up right now? Oh, we're holding up okay, and, and like you mentioned earlier, a little bit this is like next man up. Um, injuries are part of football, and sometimes you're lucky you don't have that many. Sometimes you're unlucky and you have a bunch, and and uh, but there's always some every year. So uh, injuries are just a part of it. And uh, but the group's holding up well. There's there's guys that are ready to to step in and compete, and and the guys that are injured are are doing their best to get to get healthy again. So um, just everybody's good. Everybody's ready to go. Do you like playing in uh, potentially cold and wet weather? Saturday could be that. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it could snow even. Right? That's. I mean, that's exciting. Boo! It's exciting. Let's let's go. Love it. Yeah, whatever weather. Let's play.
As an old lineman, do you prefer if it's a little sloppy where maybe you can insert yourself a little more or are dry conditions more ideal? Uh, if, if I'm being honest with you, I've never really really thought of the advantages or disadvantages because it's just something you can't control. So whatever the weather is on Saturday, we'll be ready to play football in it. Are you a no-sleeves guy in that situation? Always no-sleeves, man. <laughs> Always no-sleeves. O-line doesn't wear sleeves. J.J. Wigway said a couple years ago in Logan uh, on the stock show this week, he said, yeah, when I was playing O-line, they said, yeah, no-sleeves. And I was like, you must be talking to someone else, right? <laughs> so it's, everyone has to do it regardless of whether they're on board, right? Um, I, I think so. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I, it's it's kind of an unspoken rule. It's kind of like unwritten, unspoken, but linemen don't wear sleeves. So. Linemen don't wear sleeves. Okay. Good luck. Let's give it the BYU Sports Nation karma and have fun Saturday night. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Can you predict the future? Nope. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, for the majority of the season, you have scored a lot of touchdowns in our going for two picks. Kind of need the team to do some stuff unless they pick negatively. I've only done that once. I said Washington would win the turnover battle. And they did. And you you got the points there. Someone said, where were you last week? I missed your uh, pessimistic optimism. <laughs> or no, cynical opti- optimism. And I was like, is that a thing? I, I, yeah, that's cyn- a thing. That's cyn- a thing. Cynical optimism is, that's a thing. makes a little bit yeah. more sense than pessimistic that a, optimism. I thought that was an interesting comment. You know who you are. <laughs> All right, let's recap our going for two picks. Dumpster fire here. <laughs> Woo! Sweet. Just light it on fire, my already, first pick. It, it already is. I said BYU would score 24 or more points. Mm. I was feeling fantastic about this. About halfway through the third quarter, thought, oh, yeah, BYU. They kicked a field goal to get to 23. And I'm like, yeah, BYU. Or was it the Jaron Hall touchdown? As soon as you go high, you're in trouble. Ah! As Jaren, soon as you got, was, you are toast. It was the Jaron Hall touchdown, I think, that took BYU to 23 points. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway. They, I'm trying to forget. I'll be honest. Of, of course, BYU stops at 23. Yeah. Classic. Because USF. Classic. Second pick. BYU is going to hold USF, a team that coming into the game averaged 121 yards rushing per game. Okay? They averaged 121 yards rushing per game going into the BYU contest. Yeah. I thought... Uh, I'll give the Cougars some leeway. 150. I, I think that they can hold this team under 150. And in the first half, it was amazing. Um, USF ran for 178 yards in the second half alone. 178 and a half. This just in, that's not good. Toledo did something very, very similar to BYU in the mm-hmm. second half. Mm-hmm. 0 for yeah. 2, Jeremy. I told you it was a dumpster fire. Pick one, BYU will cover the opening spread of six and a half points. <laughs> Number two, BYU have more than one sack. <laughs> yeah, it's zero. Now, I was like, you, you gave me a hard time for picking uh, BYU to hold USF under 150. No, no, no. You started with the hard time. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then I said, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. What's that pick? So I, I countered this with an easier pick. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And we both didn't hey, get them. I know. We both didn't get them. <laughs> so updated standings. I'm still up eight to three. Jason has none because he refuses to pick. Oh. He can pick on the side, right? Oh. If he wanted. No, he can't. Okay. Here's what makes things really hard for me. 
we develop relationships with these players and the coaches, and we BYU alumni connect for good. We invest. We we invest emotions in this. We want them to succeed. That's yeah. why it's so deflating. We kind of wear the same shirt. I just noticed. I know. Yeah, mine has the stripes. Well, I had to wear my royal blue pants today just because I needed a nap yeah. to pick me up. By the way, if BYU loses to Boise State next week, I hope they don't. But or this week, I will wear the sports shirt. The yeah. Black Monday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, it's Rio. No, no, it's sure. okay. The relationships. It's it's, yeah. it, connected for good. Exactly. Yes. I think, do they have a new model? Speaking of talking with players they're... and having relationships, I had some really, really hard conversations with Matt Bushman and Lopini Katoa after the game. Let's start with Matt Bushman. And he pointed out something that we have discussed earlier in the show as a major thing that this BYU team needs to improve on going forward if they have anything to salvage this season. We just need to finish drives. I mean, we were it's kind of the story of our season. We like we show glimpses uh, glimpses of really good football where we're driving down and then we just don't finish in the red zone. And then giving up 7 points instead of I mean, getting 3 points instead of 7 points is a is a huge thing and we we did that too many times and we just can't we can't do that anymore. Yes, BYU, fifth worst team in the country in red zone touchdown percentage. 0-4 in the red zone. Punch it in once, and maybe this game's game's different. Game's over. Right? Yeah, inside the red zone twice in the last five minutes with Baylor Romney. No points. No points. I award you no points. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Lopini Katoa had a superlative game. His his, breakout game of the year. Yeah. Lost in the shuffle like a Levihifo was at Toledo. He says the Cougars have to show up and show out. Now against Boise State. We gotta show up and be who we can be. We all know that we can we can hang with the best athletes in the country. We showed it against SC, we've showed it against Tennessee, and for whatever reason, just these I don't know if we're just not getting up for the, the smaller schools or whatever that may be, but if we need that extra kick in the butt, like we're gonna have it for Boise State. We'll have that fire. We can't underestimate it because you know, there's no reason to. So I think we'll have the fight to, to come out our best. Oh, the next two games for BYU. Just If you want to salvage the season, you got to win a rivalry game. It certainly helps. It Let's go. Opportunities, right? The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Here come the Boise State Broncos back to Provo and Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We're expecting a chance of precipitation, colder temperatures, late Saturday night kickoff. And what is on the line for BYU and Boise State when they renew their budding rivalry? Jason, let's dive into the dynamics of this. Both sides, what's on the line this Saturday night? Look, okay, so... My concern is BYU. It is not Boise State. <gasps> Color me shocked. Yes, I know. I know it's, it's interesting comments here on BYU Sports Nation, but I don't really care what's on the line for the Broncos, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Look, yes, they're in line for a New Year's Six Bowl if they keep winning, but their, their possible future is no concern of mine. My concern is BYU riding the ship. And while it's not technically a must-win for bowl eligibility, 
I think that's on the line for BYU on Saturday. With two wins on the season, BYU still needs four wins for bowl eligibility. I'm still saying UMass Liberty and Idaho State are wins, uh-huh. so you need one more of Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State at minimum. So at why, minimum. why does it come down to Boise State, then why not San Diego State? Because I want all three of those games, this team to go in with the mentality, for bowl eligibility, we have to win this game. Okay. I think you, you have have to have that mindset in these next those three specifically Boise State, Utah State and San Diego State and I understand, I know exactly where you're going to go as soon as I say this, this is the one game at home too, Mm. the other two are on the road, so again while it's not technically a must win for bowl eligibility I, I, I think that's on the line for them I want them to have the mentality that bowl eligibility is on the line and we have to win this game I also think team morale is on the line it is human nature to be down when things are not going well. And a win over a ranked Boise State team can springboard not just turning the season around from a win-loss standpoint, but also regaining that confidence that this team had after the wins over Tennessee and USC. So Ooh, I think that's on the line as well. Could one win do that, though? I think it could. Could one win do that? I know it's a ranked team and it's Boise State, but... At 2-4, and four, BYU having lost three straight games, I'm not sure that even beating a ranked team in and of itself would turn everything around. No, I'm not saying it's the cure-all, but it, it starts to turn things the other direction, or it can if you handle it the right way. Now, if BYU beat Boise State and Utah State, then maybe, then maybe there's this feeling of, okay, they faced some adversity, they figured some things out. Now BYU is back to 504 and 4. They won two rivalry games back to back. They're going to win the next 3 and they're potentially battling for an eighth win against San Diego State. Then maybe there is that belief, but one yes. game at a time, Spencer. Oh goodness. Come on. I'm not concerned about Boise State's welfare per <laughs> se, but I do understand what they bring into Provo, and BYU can play a significant spoiler card yes. against one of their rivals. The Broncos are undefeated, 6-0, and number 14 in the country. They have a stronghold on that New Year's 6 position as the key group of five team. Who else is going to be there? SMU? I don't think SMU is going to go undefeated through the American, especially after almost losing. So it, it kind of feels like it's Boise's spot to lose. BYU could spoil that. Also, the Cougars need to avoid a fourth straight loss to Boise. Yeah. That's what's on the line. The Broncos could win four straight. BYU can avoid a fourth straight loss. And if BYU wants to have a home winning record this season, then yes, they have to beat Boise State. That is a must win if the Cougars are to have a home winning record in 20. They have to beat Boise State on Saturday night and get that second ranked win at home. Goodness gracious. BYU is 2-4 and four with three perceived gimme games left on the schedule with Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass. But who knows? Is anything a gimme at this point? Number 14, Boise State also coming into Provo Saturday. Utah State, San Diego State left. Spencer, is BYU in danger of missing a bowl game? Yes. We always use DEFCON levels, right? I'm putting this at DEFCON 3. So moderate danger of BYU missing a bowl game. Remind me, is 1 the worst or 5? I can't remember. DEFCON 
One is the worst. Okay, it feels like two right okay. now to me. Okay, so you're at two. It feels like two. I'm at three. I'm not saying it is. Because I am holding out hope that BYU will get Zachariah Wilson back <laughs> at quarterback late in the season. This is what BYU does. They're going to ban- win San Diego State. They're going to band-aid this thing. Okay, yeah. So Screw band-aids. BYU, BYU needs surgery. I know. I know. But with all of the injuries and everything that's going on, all of the issues that are yeah. being brought up, yeah. this, this is what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now, this is what's going to happen. It's going to get band-aid. Tell me. Tell me. Band-aid fix. Zach Wilson's going to come back maybe – Maybe miraculously, just to get a few warm up throws in against UMass, like ease back warm up throws, and then go to San Diego State, and he's going to lead BYU to a win at San Diego State. Okay, that's going to happen. That gets BYU to a bowl it, game. It gets BYU Save to a bowl season. game. Six and six, and BYU's going to Hawaii. That's what's going to happen. And once again, BYU is six and six, back to back years, and having to go to a bowl game to finish over five hundred. And then so didn't make me, like any do, progress. Do you want UCF in the Hawaii Bowl this year? Get out of here. We want Western Michigan, right? <laughs> Everyone was no one complained about the opponent <laughs> when Zach Wilson went eighteen for eighteen. The answer to this question is yes. yes is BYU in danger? danger? Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I do think BYU will win the quote unquote gimme game still. It's one thing to lose in the Eastern time zone against South Florida with some speed, and they were top ten in the country in takeaways, sacks, and TFLs. Liberty, UMass, and Idaho State are not even close to that. BYU's going to win those three. The question is, can BYU beat Boise State, Utah State, or San Diego State? I'm with you. San Diego State's the most likely win. At that point, perhaps you're playing for a bowl game at 5-6. and six. That motivation there. One could argue that maybe it's better for everything and everybody if BYU doesn't, but I'm not on that side of that coin right now. I do see BYU winning one of those three on your screen. Boise yes, State, yeah. Utah State, San Diego State. I don't see BYU matching up well with Boise State, even though several times BYU has matched up well. Hank Bachmeyer had a hit pointer, the quarterback for Boise State, in the game uh, against Hawaii Saturday night. So Chase Court comes in. Jalen Henderson, the third string, came in. Sound familiar? That was BYU football. On Saturday, BYU played its third string. <laughs> Baylor, don't call me Mitt Romney. And he got BYU into the red zone twice. He, twice. Al- he almost saved the day. I do think BYU is going to beat one of those three. I think San Diego State's the most likely, and I hate it. Because if Kalani Satake loses to Boise State and Utah State and finishes the season with a record under 500 overall and one in, what is it going to be, 12 if BYU loses the next two games? To rivals. Against rivals? That's not great. That's not great when you're looking for a contract extension. It's not. You're 0-4 against Utah and you're one in three against uh, Utah State, and you're zero and four against Boise State. He's he's probably got to be Boise State and Utah State to have some kind of leverage there going into the final year of his contract next year. It would be one and eleven. Yes, one and eleven. One and eleven. Right. If BYU loses to Boise State and Utah State, not good. There's a real possibility that BYU will be two and six and have to win the final four games of the season to get bowl. Which eligible. could happen. It just. Six and six is it's just bleh. Come on. You don't even have to be good to go to a bowl game now. Six and six? You can be five hundred. Shaq's free throw percentage? Come on. Oh. <laughs> I'll move to DEFCON two if BYU loses the next two games. <laughs> okay. That's a likely situation I unless know. BYU figures it right out. Right now DEFCON three, because they have an opportunity to still get a huge third win and take some pressure off of having it's de- to win the it's final. It's DEFCON four. one, bro, if BYU loses the next two. It's one. It's <laughs> 
Right now, BYU's two and four, and in a pinch, here's Kalani Staki on the sitch. This is a moment where uh, it's really tough, and I'm going to revel in it and, and enjoy it as much as I can and, and uh, get better from it. But I think it's important for the team to know that this doesn't define us. You know, it's how you respond to the tough times that, that people will remember the most, and that's what character is all about. And I'm uh, looking forward to fighting my way out of this and fighting our way out of this as a team. Spencer, the Cougars are on a three game losing streak, they have six games to go. Is the season still salvageable? Well, what would qualify as salvageable? To me, salvaging the season at this point would be showing progress compared to last year. So can BYU win more games than they did last year? That would require eight wins. Yikes. Um, It feels tough. It does feel very tough. But BYU has two opportunities to win a rivalry game. And they haven't done that since 2016. So if BYU beats either Boise State or Utah State and finishes the season with six regular season wins and go and win a bowl game and they're 7-6, and but they at least got a rivalry win, then yes, by the slimmest of margins, to me it shows progress because they won a game that they typically haven't in the recent past. You could salvage the season if BYU goes to a bowl game, including a victory against one of the rivalry teams. If it comes down to San Diego State and BYU's 5-6 and six and they beat San Diego State, it's like, hey, they got to a bowl game. To me, that is not salvaging the season. No, even if they win the bowl game, 7-6, and six, to me that is sixes. It is even. Okay, you, Literally sixes. You, you did exactly what you did last year, 7-6, and six, winning a bowl game. BYU needs to do something they haven't done. Beat a rival, one in ten in the Kalani Satake era against rival teams, to salvage them or one and nine. Sorry, if they beat Boise State, then it would be two and nine or Utah. State, whatever, just beat one of them, and that to me puts BYU on a track where they can salvage the season because there's improvement there. What do you think? Don't sleep on Idaho State. They're next. They're not involved it's in time this. For the Cougar whip around. Whoa! It is. Oh, okay. It is uh, not football time for that. Probably not. I don't know the BYU can salvage the season. Um, if they win the final regular season, uh, the final six games, that's eight wins, that would be salvaging. I just don't see it. I just don't. The way BYU is playing, the way the, who BYU has, the injuries, the season enders on a couple. Now, I just, wait a second. If I just they, don't so, see it. So they'd have to win all six games. Five and one would not salvage the season in your mind. No, seven wins in the regular season isn't good. Isn't good. Even though it's better than last year. And given this, the start. I, I don't want to base it off how sucky BYU is right now. Like, uh, the last couple of years, 4-9, and 7-6, I don't go, oh, that, well, that's pretty. It's relatively good. It doesn't mean it's actually good. Anything below 8, you aren't a good team in college football. you got to win at least 8 games, in my mind, to be a minimally good. Including a bowl game, or are you talking regular season only? I don't know. Who cares? Like, 8-plus, whatever. I don't. I hate that we're talking about anything less than 10. You know what I mean? Like, you're just, BYU's just not a relevant football program, and it's very frustrating. And it's even worse than that. BYU's losing games they shouldn't. They're not competitive in some of these games where we hope they are. They pulled off an awesome win against USC. We're going to find out the USC's probably like a 500 team or something. Tennessee stinks. Like, those were awesome wins. But in the end, it's like, ah, this just isn't the BYU that we all know and love, that BYU can be, and I think we believe BYU will be in the future? I ask that as a question, not a statement. We hope that there are systemic 
differences that get corrected and BYU is better. And, but we're seeing the same issues, so it's just really frustrating. I, I'm not sure that BYU can salvage the season. BYU can certainly do some positive, good things, get better, but it doesn't mean the season was good per se. I think a lot of the damage has been done. If BYU beats Boise State Saturday, perhaps they turn a corner. But I don't see how it's poof going to happen this Saturday all of a sudden, given what's going on and given who's unable to play due to injury. What's crazy about that is if BYU beats Boise State on Saturday, and I know that is a huge if, they would have two wins over ranked teams at home, and they would have a rivalry win. So this game carries some added weight for sure. Yeah, it's, sure. It's, just, it's just a really frustrating time right now. And, and if BYU beats Boise State, that's big national news. Top 15 team, best group of five team, rivalry win, given where BYU's at, that'd be, that'd be big time. Hey, that you, would, it, would, it would help go towards what we're talking about, salvaging the season. Spoil the season. Yeah. Spoil Boise State's season. Good yeah, grief. And they could still be the top group of five team with the one loss. Let's be honest. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The head coach of the aforementioned women's volleyball team, Heather Olmstead, now joins us in studio. And Heather, it's great to have you back in. Thanks for having me. That's a big match. We'll break that down in just a sec. But uh, sixteen and two, seven and zero in West Coast Conference play. Your only only losses are to two teams in the top twelve. How have you felt about the season so far? Really happy with the way we're progressing, with the way that we're continuing to learn and to grow. And it seems like. We have so much more to play, and I, I know we do 11 matches left, but we're just getting better every day, and we just have so much so much we want to do and accomplish. So it's really exciting to know that we, we can keep continue to get better these last couple conference games. Where do you see the improvement happening the most right now from the beginning of the season to now? Yeah, we have a big focus on our serve-pass game for sure. We're constantly talking about passing every day, and with that, uh, our defense, so our, our block and our, our defense behind our block are digging, and so... It's just never-ending. Offensively, we want to get better. It's, it's, there's always parts of your games you can improve upon. So, again, I, I just think we have so much room to improve that it's, it's really exciting to see this team grow every day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's always going to be room to improve, but what has been the biggest surprise to you so far this season? Yeah, I'm not, not really surprised. I, I just go into every year you know, with really no expectations, just talking about how this group can be the best, this 2019 group. And so um, I've been pleased with just the growth each week, I, I think, those early losses were good for us. We played our best against Texas, even though we lost. And then the next week, we were able to play well at Utah and at Stanford, and we've just built off that. And so I think that's really exciting. I, I'm not surprised because I see the work our girls put in every day off season, and I think I'm excited about the way that we've been able to incorporate the freshmen and and get that flow going, and it's going to continue to improve. The constant would be, okay, well, I have these returning players. I expect maybe something from them, right? And, and McKenna Miller was a big addition coming back from injury and has been good. But you talked about the, the flow of the freshmen. When do you kind of know what you have with the team in a season, in your opinion? Yeah, I think pretty early on we knew the pieces that we had. We didn't know exactly where they were going to go, and we're still working on that. But just being able to see them in preseason and see their desire to learn and to get better and how coachable they were and how excited they were to be playing at BYU, I knew pretty early that we were going to be able to play some freshmen and they were going to have an impact on our team, and you're seeing that this year. 
how have the seniors kind of helped play that mentor role, for lack of a better word, and really help those freshmen develop? Yeah, the seniors have been huge for us. Mary, McKenna, Riley, and Key, they, they're so experienced. It's just invaluable. They, they want to help those younger players uh, with our culture, with our uh, match day, with our on-the-road travel. It's just it's incredible the way that they'd put their arm around those girls and say, here, I'll show you how it's done um, because I care about you, I care about our team, and I want you to have success even when I'm gone. So that's pretty neat to watch those seniors interact with, with the younger players. Talking to Heather Olmstead, head coach of the women's volleyball team. Uh, last week, preparing to call the match against San Francisco, I discovered that um, in BYU history, Alexa Gray has the most uh, attempts per set. Uh, and then McKenna Miller is number two currently. Was feeding her the ball a ton uh, a thing that you wanted to do, or is just natural kind of with who McKenna is and perhaps the freshman setter trying to find the best outside hitter? Yeah, McKenna's doing a fantastic job. She's leading our team. Obviously, we, our setters know that they can get her the ball, and she's going to deliver with the kill. And so I think that it's a natural progression. I mean, she's been someone we've leaned on her whole career, you know, since her freshman year, and she's just such a stud. And so I'm so happy for her, the way that she's playing. She's continuing to try to develop her, her toolbox and her game, and it's just – you know, she, she's not taking a single day for granted, and you can tell that when she plays. Let's talk about last Thursday. So uh, you're up two sets to none. McKenna doesn't play in the third set. But then late, down 23-19, I think, you bring in McKenna, and she serves uh, from 21 to yeah. 25 the win. What went into that decision to bring her back in the match to serve? Yeah, I, I felt uh, that she should go in and serve. So I called her over. I said, McKenna, she hadn't gone in. I knew she was a little cold. So that's a little bit of a concern with coming back from her ACL. Asked her, how do you feel about going in and serving right now? Because I know you can do it and I want you to do it. And she says, I want to do it. Let's go. And of course, the rest is history. She goes in and serves a couple aces and, and we, we win 25-23. So that's, I mean, that's good coaching, right? That's what that's all about McKenna. <laughs> and McKenna was ready for that moment. We talked to our team about that. You got to be ready for your moment. And she was, you know, she was willing to, to sit out that set and then her number was called and she was ready to go. And I think that's just such a great example for the younger players to know, you know, you're going to get tapped on the shoulder one day and you want to be ready to go in and, and contribute to what the team's doing. Yeah, McKenna is definitely a gamer. you got a bunch of gamers on your team. You are one yourself. But what, talk about that mental preparation because the BYU, we're a women's volleyball school. <laughs> and so typically hey, the teams have men's? been... <laughs> it's an Olmstead volleyball we're school. We're a volleyball right? yeah. and women's soccer school. <laughs> yeah, I think it takes a lot of mental preparation every day to go to practice to bring it to empty the tank, and we talk about that with, with the girls. Every day we got to empty the tank, practice and matches, and you can see that when they're playing. It, it takes a lot of mental effort to focus on your skills and continue to just work hard within the match with a lot of ebbs and flows, and so they're doing a great job just trying to stay as focused and consistent as they can. Replacing Lindy uh, Haddock Epic was always going to be a tall order, but in comes this freshman, Whitney Bauer. Parents Caroline and Danny Bauer both played at BYU women's volleyball and, and uh, men's basketball there. She reclassifies, skips her senior year, and now she's the f- starting freshman on your team. What went into her recruitment and the decision to reclassify and join her sister this season? Whitney uh, is playing so well right now, and so we knew early on Whitney was a winner. You could just tell when you watch her play. She wins. She competes. She's got great energy. She's uh, involved with her teammates. She's interacting. She communicates well. And so she saw an opportunity to come in and help our team, and she took advantage of it. So that's really what it came down to. She wanted to be here. She wanted to help this team. She wanted to help us continue to get better. And so we're just super grateful that she's here. And she's, she understands her job, and she's working hard every single day to make her hitters look better. She's trying to put up hittable sets. She understands her job. She's got a great serve. She plays defense. I mean, she's, she's the whole package. And so uh, it's just super exciting the way that it's worked out and kind of her story. 
33 aces. I mean, and this is something I love about the women's game that is not in the men's game. The the shorter setter or whatever can have a major impact from the service line that you don't see in the men's yeah, game. Yeah, she does a great job. She works hard at her serve. Uh, she's she understands that she can go back and score a bunch of points for us, and she wants to do that. And Also, when she's in the back row, she wants to dig for our team and, and put up as many digs as she can, and you can see that in her play. Let's talk about Mary Lake. She's about 80 digs away from becoming the all-time leader. When did you know she'd be a special player? Uh, the first time I saw her play, yeah. Hey, how old was she in high school? Uh, she was freshman in high school. I saw her play. I Starting saw her, varsity as a freshman? Yeah, it was club. I saw her, gotcha. I saw her just her platform. I saw her ability uh, to see the ball, her eye work. Her lateral movement left to right, her competitive fire, her energy, and it was pretty obvious um, that she was who we wanted and that she was going to be one of the greatest liberos to ever play here. Yeah, perhaps the greatest. Who knows? She's in the conversation yep. for sure, right? And, of course, let's talk about San Diego. So uh, you're both unbeaten. Uh, they're just out of the polls. Typically, this is a tough, tough match yep. and another big one Friday. Yeah, San Diego's playing great, and we expect them to play great on Friday. They're little feisty group always they're defensively very scrappy so we like to match that with our you know scrappiness uh, they've got offensive weapons they can set multiple pin hitters they've got middles they they're very physical and they're well coached and so it's going to be a battle for sure on friday night okay we're looking forward to it nine eastern six pacific on byu tv coming up friday night byu women's volleyball ranked number nine thanks Heather. thank Appreciate you guys thanks for having me We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU sophomore linebacker Chaz Ayu has been talked about quite a bit today because he was so outspoken yesterday in regard to the state of BYU football, offense, defense, how frustrated he feels. He was kind enough to go one-on-one BYU Sports Nation all-access with Jerem Jordan to discuss all of that and more. Here's that interview. All right, Chaz, two and four, obviously not what you guys are hoping for right now. So what's the uh, vibe of the team as you prepare for another tough game this week? You know, the vibe is, I wouldn't say it's very positive because positivity isn't going to win us games. Just staying positive, you know. But it's very driven. You know, the team is very focused right now. Um, You know, we're letting the pain hurt. We're letting it sink in. Um, We're not just going to brush it off like we have in the past because that's unacceptable at this point. Two games to two, losing two games to two teams that we shouldn't have lost to. um, You know, it's pretty, it gets to you, gets to your head a little bit. And so we're trying to just dial in right now and just do whatever we can to, you know, come out victorious this week. Where do you start on the defensive side of the ball? Does it start with stopping the run? Uh, no doubt. I mean, that's been our weakness the whole season is giving up the run. And so that's definitely going to be a main point of focus this week is being physical and coming up on the run. Do you feel like you have the guys to do that? Because it's a similar group to last year that was a good group at stopping the run. Oh, yeah. I mean, we definitely have the athletes to stop the run. Um, we just got to be smarter and be more disciplined in our, in our positions. And as soon as we can do that, we'll be able to stop the run. Let's talk about you. You've had uh, takeaways the last two weeks. Uh, what has enabled you to be in position to uh, take the ball away? Um, you know, I've just been able to – I definitely think film study has helped a lot, um, especially during the game. You see their tendencies and what they're doing. Um, USF, their quarterback couldn't throw the ball. And so that play where I got my interception, it was a man call. And, you know, as soon as I was on my man, I just got my eyes back and just knew he was going to try to throw it up to somebody. Um, and he did, and I was able to make the play there. So, and then I know it was two weeks ago, but one of the well, I think it's the defensive play of the year is your your strip uh, in the red zone 
against Toledo, but unfortunately it's kind of forgotten because BYU turns it over the next play and loses. But uh, was that one of the best plays you've ever made in your career? Um, I would say it's definitely one of the more clutch plays I've made in my career up to this point. Um, just just saw, saw the opportunity and took advantage of what I was, what I was doing. Is that something you're trying to do often, and it, it worked on that play? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you go and watch the film against all these teams that we've been playing, I'm constantly going for the ball. That's something I'm always trying to get is get fumbles, get interceptions, anything I can do to get the offense the ball. So that's definitely been my, my focus this year. Ziggy Ansah had a similar one. He didn't take it away in one motion like you, but against the Browns. Defensively, um, I guess, how can that change a game, a play like that? Um, it can change everything. It can change the momentum. It can give the offense a good opportunity, give them better field position. So anytime you can get the offense the ball, you know, the odds of them scoring are a lot higher. What's life been like for you uh, coming back from your mission and uh, getting back in shape here for your sophomore season? Um, it's been a lot of hard work, you know, getting my body and my legs back under me. Um, I knew as soon as I came back that, you know, I could come and contribute to the team, but my body just wasn't living up to it at the time. So I had to put in a lot of extra running and, you know, a lot of working hard just to get my, my body to the point that it's at right now. At what point did you feel like I'm back to where I was before my mission? Uh, I, st- I don't think I've hit that point yet, but I do feel like I've been able to get pretty close. I'm getting there. Um, definitely this offseason I'll be able to catch up in those strides and hopefully pass it. At what point did you realize, you know what, I want to be a Cougar? Was it when you were younger since your dad's been involved with the program for a long time? Oh, man. Um, I would say that the moment I wanted to be a Cougar is when it was, I think it was maybe two or three weeks before signing day. And uh, I was just talking to a bunch of the other athletes that were coming here, like Longi Tuifua, um, Lorenzo, and we decided that, you know, we wanted to build a class that would last and, um, you know, hopefully make a difference in the program. And that's when I decided to be a Cougar. Listen, a lot of people have given you a hard time about the helicopter. I think it, I think it was awesome. I would, I would kill to be able to fly into Lavelle Edwards Stadium. How was that whole thing set up on signing day when you signed? Um, Bleacher Report, so I'd been talking to them for a couple years, and they said that they would hook me up with a little recruitment video, a commitment video. And so, I mean, it was completely free. I didn't have to spend a dime on it at all. So I was like, shoot, why not? I mean, originally I was going to go bungee jumping in L.A., but uh, things changed and decided to do a helicopter. Wait, so you would have signed with BYU by bungee jumping in L.A.? Is that what you're saying? Or would, or would that have been signing with SC or somebody? Um, that would have just been wherever I was going. Oh. Like, if I would have gone anywhere else, they would have done, like, a digital pad. And, like, yeah. So it would have, they would have just made it to the school I was going to. Gotcha. I'm glad that we didn't find out any others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, with this season, uh, two and four, you're trying to get better. Boise State comes in. Certainly a tough challenge, but you guys have beaten a ranked team in USC, beaten Tennessee. How do you compete with and, and perhaps upset Boise State this Saturday? Um, you know, this week, as far as the defensive mindset, we're trying to be a lot more physical. You know, we've been kind of soft on the edges and um, at the backer spots. And so, you know, this week we're just trying to come out and just be nasty, you know, just kind of be a mean team, just come out and basically just try to – whoever's in front of us, we're trying to, trying to kill them. You know, we're coming at it for blood, you know. So that's kind of our mindset this week. Boise State's one of the stated rivals. Do you feel the rivalry kind of tension there, or is it uh, different because they're consistently ranked? Um, you know, them being ranked definitely does play into it. But, you know, I definitely do feel the rivalry and the hate um, that comes with the game. Um, and that's something that I've had for a long time since I was a little kid. And so, you know, it's, it's definitely a big game and the game that we take very serious. Is it hard to hate Orange, though, as a 10th few uh, Thunderbird? Yeah, it's pretty easy. Boise makes it easy to hate the Orange, I won't <laughs> lie. <laughs> Do you like playing in the rain and snow? Because this may be a wet, cold, late one on Saturday night. 
no, I hate I hate that bad weather. <laughs> you know, if it was up to me, I'd rather be playing in 100 degree weather in the afternoon. But you know, it just comes with the game, so it'll be a fun experience, and you know, I kind of get to show my character, our team's character, a little bit in playing in the cold. Okay, well, good luck Saturday. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. It's like good luck that you'll play better and uh, continue to get some takeaways. Yes, sir. Thank you. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline to help us survive in Studio B is ESPN College Football Insider, Analyst, and Expert Trevor Maddich for another Maddich Monday. Trevor, welcome back to the program. Help us figure out what the heck is going on with BYU football, would you? Yeah, you know, it's uh, a lot, lots going on with BYU football. Some of it good, some of it not so good. The good they need to build off, the bad, the bad, I'm not sure. Well, there's adjustments they can make to correct it. But I tell you, it's, there's some real serious frustrations that were, had a spotlight shined on them once again in this loss. Let's zone in on South Florida. What's the biggest reason or issue, in your opinion, as to why BYU was not able to beat a Bulls team that, quite frankly, they should have beaten? They should have, and they would have beaten them going away if they were more effective on offense in the red zone. And this has been a problem with this team all year. When they would drive it down and come away either with no points or a field goal. I mean, I'm I'm charting this game, and in the second quarter they had a 12-play drive that flamed out on the five-yard line and kicked a field goal. They had a 14-play drive, flamed out on the 11-yard line, kicked a field goal. You know, they, and then they drove down, missed the field goal. Then they drove down and on downs, on fourth down, twice at the end of the game, flamed out. So they were in scoring position a bunch of times and came away with no points. So really, this game, had they done better in the red zone, uh, would have been a completely different outcome. And the frustrating thing there is that they've, they've got the tools. This offensive line and these running backs – should be good enough to enforce their will down there against a team like South Florida. And with a guy like Matt Bushman, the passing game should have been able to be more effective and contribute as well. And that's a problem that the Redskins have got to solve. It's not the only team with that kind of problem. I mean, last year, Alabama had that problem. Different level of competition, but the same kind of problem, where they would get down into the red zone. And they were one of the worst teams in the nation at running the ball by running backs when they got inside the 20-25 yard line. And so they've been trying to fix that this year. They're still struggling with it. So the Cougars are not alone in that problem, but it is a huge problem right now. Bigger issue right now, BYU on offense and its inability to uh, run the ball and score points and get enough to win, or the defense where BYU is the eighth worst rushing defense in the country, uh, is allowing three sacks a game, and so on. The problem with BYU's defense, I think, is more depth than anything else. And when the offense is not controlling the clock like they could, like they should, and when the offense is not putting points on the board and forcing the opposing offense to be one-dimensional, it 
means that those defenders, the starters, have to be out there for a longer period of time, more plays. Now, BYU in this game actually controlled the clock for 37 minutes. The problem is that the, the, they didn't get the points, and so they allowed UC, USF to continue to invest in the running game, and USF ended up having 44 rushing attempts. That's a lot of rushing attempts, 243 yards. And so even though the Cougars' offense controlled the clock, they weren't able to make the, the Bulls one-dimensional and force them to have to throw the ball to come back, which they could have done had they been more effective on offense in the red zone, punching it in for touchdowns, instead of coming away with either field goals or no points at all. Yes. So I would say that the, Reds, the Cougars' red zone offense is a big contributing factor to the defense struggling late in games with the rushing defense. ESPN's Trevor Mattis with us on BYU Sports Nation. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule, Trevor. Of course, number 14, Boise State, coming to Provo this Saturday. After that, BYU has a bye. Then three games that the Cougars absolutely should win, but even fans are asking, well, what if BYU loses to Liberty? And can BYU beat Utah State? And can, can they beat San Diego State? Is BYU in real danger of not making a bowl game for the second time in three years? They actually are. They need to get to six wins. They've got two right now. So if you stipulate wins against Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass, and then none of those I would, I would say are guaranteed. But if they stipulate that, that would bring them to five wins. Now they need to win one of home against Boise State, ranked 14th in the nation right now, or at Utah State, who played LSU tough for part of that game, for the part of the first half of that game. I mean, they stood toe-to-toe with LSU for a while before LSU's strength overcame them. And then to close the season at San Diego State. And it may come down to that game in San Diego that will determine whether or not they go to a bowl game. And I'll tell you, they'll have to win those three that they're supposed to, but somehow they're going to have to win at least one of the others. And so there is danger that they might not. Let's talk about Boise State for a second here. Hank Bachmeyer had a hip pointer in the game. He could miss the game on Saturday. Jaron Hall looked like he might have got a concussion, still waiting to hear what the situation is there. And if he did get one and if he can play, perhaps we might not know for a couple of days or until Saturday. And the game's going to be a little snowy, a little wet on a cold Saturday night. What do you think of the matchup with Boise State, a ranked team, a rival coming into Provo Saturday? Well, the colder and snowier it gets, the more the line of scrimmage is important. And Boise State has the best combination, offensive and defensive lines, in the group of five, in my opinion. So this could end up just being a slugfest at the line. And on paper, BYU has got the ability to, to stand up in that kind of a fight. And this is where they'll really need to. That offensive line will need to play up to their potential. And the defensive line will need to, to show, the depth will need to show better than the depth has shown uh, over the course of the season so far. Because Boise State, especially if Bachmeyer can't go, will turn this into a hit-you-in-the-mouth game. And BYU will have to, to, to stay in that fight for four full quarters. And so, again, I go back to the offense and the offensive line. They've got to not just control the clock. They've got to get points 
and touchdowns when they get to the red zone so that they can force Boise State uh, into more predictable situations. And if they can't do that, then, then well, it'll just be, it'll be Mike Tyson against uh, whoever BYU decides to be that day. <laughs> and hopefully it's uh, someone good. Wait, Trevor, on paper, isn't this a bad matchup if it's in the trenches since BYU is the eighth worst rushing defense and then uh, bottom 25 in rushing offense right now? Right, but the thing is, I look at the individual players and I like them. I mean, we'll see what the health situation of the offensive line was. There were there were a bunch of offensive linemen in that game against South Florida that were laying on the ground with a camera on them, with trainers attending to them. So we'll see how their health is. But assuming assuming health, you look at their guys individually, and they've got guys that are that are big, strong guys. And BYU always has been able to get that kind of offensive lineman. You look at the defensive line. You look at guys like Kyrus Tonga and, and others that are just powerful dudes. Maybe not dynamic in terms of getting after the passer, but certainly tough to push off the ball in the running game. And so given that, you would think that the individual fights should be a relatively fair fight until it may get to the point to where one side or the other gets fatigued. Trevor, we've talked about a lot of concerns and issues for BYU football and why they lost to Toledo and why they lost to USF, but how do you keep this team from becoming divisive and starting to doubt and to handle some trust issues that might develop between players and coaches. What What's the key to shoring all of this up moving forward so that things don't go completely off the rails? You know, I, I, I don't fear that they'll go off the rails, and I don't fear that they'll lose trust. I get the sense that this team truly loves one another and that they respect and love and trust their coaches. And why not? I mean, I believe in this coaching staff. Overall, this is a good bunch of coaches who know what they're doing, who have proven to the players that they love the players. And once the players know that, then you can do a lot of stuff in terms of getting these guys ready to play and pushing the players to their limits. The thing that this team really needs to do to turn it around is to be, especially on offense, more precise. They can't afford to lose plays. They can't afford to miss an open receiver and get behind the chains. They can't afford to be a little bit off on a block and have a run go for one yard instead of three and get behind the chains. Because ultimately, I think the the biggest thing I see on tape is that the offense doesn't have that dynamic joystick player that can get the ball in his hands anywhere on the field, make the first guy miss, make the second guy miss, and run away from everybody else. You know, they've got guys that are fighting hard and doing well, but that dynamic human joystick hasn't revealed himself. And so what that means is, instead of being able to count on a guy like a K.J. Hamler like Penn State has, you know, or, or you know, the whole receiving core at Alabama or at Clemson, I mean, instead of having that guy, what they've got is the necessity of being very precise in game management in staying even or ahead of the chains because it, they really struggle when they're behind the chains because of that lack of, of dynamic feature, that dynamic presence. So ultimately, you know, I think they know that, and I don't think they point fingers at each other because of that. It is what it is. But I think it's very important that they stay focused on what it means they need to do and that means be more precise and execute better than the other side because they don't have necessarily that presence to make up for a lack of execution on the previous play. So I don't see this as being the team pointing fingers at each other. I see it as the team really needs to bear down and understand who they are and how they can win because they can win. 
that way. They just can't afford the mistakes. They can't afford the lack of execution that we saw in the South Florida game where they would get into scoring position and come away with either three or come away with nothing. And that's what they need to do. And I think they know that they're close to being a whole lot more effective than they've been in the last two weeks. They're really close. But close isn't good enough. And they've got a tough stretch of schedule coming up. Let's talk about uh, and wrap up with this. The, uh, the top four is now Alabama. LSU climbs up three spots in the AP poll, Clemson and Ohio State. Uh, is this just coming down to November 9th, Alabama and LSU at this point? Well, it may. It may well, but Auburn's lurking in the weeds. I mean, Auburn went to Florida and lost, but they could still uh, make the SEC championship game and they could still make the playoff, and they get – Alabama at home. They get Georgia at home as well, and they still have to play LSU. So Auburn's lurking in the weeds. But, yeah, I think right now the best team in the country, the best team, is Ohio State. But I think LSU is is just right up there next to them. I think Ohio State's defense I trust more than LSU's defense, which is why I put the Buckeyes up above them. Clemson I wouldn't have in the top four right now. Alabama I would have at number four. And so this is a, you know, I would have Ohio State, uh, at number one, LSU at number two, Oklahoma number three, and Alabama number four, with Wisconsin and Penn State right there up against them. And Clemson, their offense did well against Florida State for the first time in a while. But I need to see some consistency out of that Clemson offense. Their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, after we saw him light up Alabama in the national championship game last year, came in with people calling him this year the greatest college quarterback since John Elway. Whoa. Well, maybe he's got the kind of talent to eventually get there, but it's unfair to put that kind of expectation that he's already a fully polished product on his shoulders. And what happened was defensive coordinators saw what he did well last year, and they sought to complicate that and make him go to plan B. And in the first month of the season, he struggled to get to plan B. Well, we'll see if this Florida State game is a breakout for him or just a bad Florida State defense. But either way, until that offense becomes more consistently effective, then I wouldn't put Clemson in the top four. Trevor, great to talk with you. We always appreciate the insight. Win or lose, rain or shine, always bring it. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The second half of the season begins tomorrow with number 14, Boise State, one of BYU's stated rivals who narrowly defeated the Cougars last season. 21-16. So, Blaine, how did the banged-up Cougars beat a better Bronco team this season? So, to me, it starts with BYU being way, and I say way, like all capitals way, more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. You've got to disrupt uh, Boise State. They're very skilled offensively. They're unbelievably well coached. So, And Kalani stated earlier this week that he was going to be way more hands-on with the defense. And I just have to believe his mentality as a defensive coordinator and as a defense coach has always been blitz, be aggressive. So I, I'm expecting, with Kalani being more of a presence on that defensive staff this week, that they are going to be more aggressive. And I know Bachmeyer, I expect him to play. I expect him to play one out with a hip pointer. If, if he plays, he's still a freshman. And you need to confuse him, and you need to have him be uncomfortable. You need him to put him in situations where he's looking at things he hasn't seen. So BYU's got to be aggressive. And then the other thing they got to do, 
Two things on offense. Take care of the football and finish drives. They've got to be better in the red zone this week. If they finish drives with touchdowns and they play aggressively on defense, I think they've got a chance to have a big upset uh, out in the cold and wet tomorrow night. This could be interesting because this is a Boise State team that trailed by 18 to Florida State. Florida State's 3-2. and two. It's not the same Florida State team. It's a Boise State team that beat Marshall 14-7. to seven. Okay, so they've shown some vulnerability. Yes, they're 6-0. Yes, they're 14th. I don't think they're a world beater, though. And I went back to 2013 and 15 just to see if any, any trends against this opponent correlate, and I found a couple. One, BYU hasn't defeated a 10-win Boise State team. I think this will be a 10-win Boise State team plus. So that's tough. Perhaps BYU can change momentum there. And then our stat of the day tells a couple more. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. These are general trends that work, but against Boise State did as well. BYU outgained Boise State in yards and won the turnover margin in its two wins against Boise State, two and seven all time. Outgained in yards in 2013 and 15 by 69 and 20. Turnovers, 2013 plus four, that should win you again. Yeah, oh yeah, you're going to win with plus four. 2015 plus one, granted BYU's been plus two and plus one the last two weeks and lost. And then have playmakers that make plays. 2013, Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Mitch Matthews, Cody Hoffman. Incredible in that game. BYU won by 17. In 2015, peak Tanner Mangum. Right. In, in game two. But this is the, the height of his powers. Back-to-back Hail Marys. Mitchell Jurgens makes I the play. I love that. Back-to-back Hail Marys. Like crazy. It's unbelievable. Like lucky skill. You, we could debate another day. But I, I think if BYU is somehow able defensively to be aggressive, like you said, and suppress Boise State to a degree. Win the turnover margin. Baylor Romney makes simple plays. BYU's got a shot. Got a shot. I agree with you. And that, go, and that goes back. Be aggressive on defense. Results in winning turnover margin. Finish drives. You win this thing. Give yourself a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Always. Everybody wants to win, but when you're two and four, playing a third string quarterback potentially against a top 15 team that you're two and seven all time against. It would be a major upset if BYU wins tomorrow. It would. So, Blaine, let's discuss an uncomfortable subject for winners. Are there things, moral victories, that moral could, are we going to use that? Are we going there? Could be, that could be had in tomorrow's game as BYU tries to continue to get better and make a bowl game. If you put this in perspective, and I don't want to use the word moral let's victories. Let's use something else. Improvement what other work points. Can, yeah, can we, can we pick some positive things out even if they lose? Progressive identifiers. Yeah. It be, because I do think BYU can make progress and not win in this one. And, and here's the thing. What's the goal now at this point? The goal now is to get bowl eligible. That's to, it. To do that, yeah. you've got three teams where you should physically outman them. So you expect them to be, right? I don't and we State, did the last two weeks. Right. right. When you, when you outman. And then you have three teams where – Man, they're physically as good as you, especially with the with the guys you've lost to injury. You have to win one of those games. You have to beat Boise State, Utah State, or at the end of the season, San Diego State. I would say it was right five now, five and one by the right. way. San Diego State right. was five and one. But I would say right now, Boise State is the biggest challenge based yes. on history, yes. based on what they're ranked right now, based how well coached they are. No and argument not, from anybody. Right. I think, so right? I think Boise State's the best of those three teams, and that's not and that's not saying anything. Utah State's really good, and and Rocky Long I have tremendous re- respect for, and San Diego State is good as well. Five and one. But Boise State's the best of those three teams. Can we agree on that? Oh, for so, sure. So this is the least likely win of those three. So if ultimately you've got to get one win out of those three and then win the other three, and maybe you get two out of that, 
I think I could be okay if they play extremely well. I see progress defensively. I see them play aggressive and they play well. And, they, and offensively, they move the ball. And say it is Baylor Romney, and, and you know you get Hall coming back the next week, and then Zach coming back later on. I might. I think I can wrap my head around that. I think I could be okay with great progress and not beating a team as good as Boise State is right now, knowing what's left on the schedule. It's hard to say that, but it's true, right? Um, I, I hate this subject, but let's be honest. In this situation, we need to see BYU improve. They, the, the water temperature for this coaching staff is getting very warm, right? They need to bring it. They need to show improvement. They need to show change, and that change needs to result in positive things. Stopping the run more, scoring more points. That's the theme of the week. Stop the run, score more points. More exotic defense to perhaps stop the run to create more turnovers. More explosive on offense is another thing I'd like to see. If BYU is simple but effective, that's fine. But if BYU can get something down the field, that'd be great. Because BYU's not playing four-star corners and safeties in, in the rest of the season. You'll have a couple sprinkled in there here and there. But with Boise State and San Diego State and Utah State, this is three-star level kind of thing, which is where BYU lives. BYU can hang with this, so let's see what BYU can do if they don't win. If they win, great. It doesn't matter what happens. Right. If they right? if they win, it's an upset. I mean, you stated it. It's a big-time big upset, yeah. and that's fantastic. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.